It's episode 606 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm talking about an extra innings loss the Rangers had that dropped them below 500. The best start of John Gray's very short Rangers tenure and a logjam at first base slash DH that the Rangers have a pretty good problem to deal with. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. Are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Paddock, a 10, 12 year how many, however many year cribblingly addicted Texas Rangers fan host for all four seasons of this Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. It is Thursday, June 2nd. Your Rangers are 24 and 25, sitting in third place yet again in the American League West. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Bryce Paddock. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help is to comment anything below. Comment, I am disappointed in the Corey Kluber trade comment Eli White made an amazing catch and I'm still not over it days later or you can comment Sam Huff can hit a home run to the moon because I'm pretty darn sure he can because he did well not quite to the moon but still 430 plus feet in this four to three extra innings loss for the Rangers a four-hour game right after a quick breezy game the day before this one was a long one didn't finish until late late into the night an 11th 11 inning marathon fest for these rangers and rays it looked like the rangers might just take the brooms out and sweep the rays in this four game series which would have been absolutely amazing the rangers had nine i believe it actually 10 perfect innings because once martin perez took that liner off the shin and i believe it was the second inning he did not allow a single base runner for the rest of the game the rangers bullpen did not allow a single base runner for the rest of the game and for most of his start john gray had not allowed a single base runner he was Absolutely fantastic this one. Seven innings of one-run ball. The only run came off of a solo shot from Randy Arozarena, the thief of the American League Rookie of the Year trophy from last year, from his former teammate Adolis Garcia. No, I'm still not over it. 12 strikeouts, two walks. Fantastic work from him in this one. The Rangers lineup just... It couldn't quite get it going against former Ranger great Jeffrey Springs. That's right. Jeffrey Springs is on the Rays. In case you forgot, he was a 30th round pick by the Rangers many, many years ago. Came up in 2018. Had a really solid year for the Rangers that year and then was not great in his next year. A 338 ERA in 18 games for Texas. 32 innings in 2018. A 640 ERA in 25 games in 2019. Then the Rangers would trade him for first baseman Sam Travis. Sam Travis, yeah, mm-hmm. it went that well in uh, 2020, right after they DFA'd him for the last time. But this was this was a solid game overall. Nathaniel Lowe and Sam Huff were the big heroes in this one. Nathaniel Lowe, after he hit a home run off of Jeffrey Springs, screamed out, that's what happens you effing throw at my face, except he didn't say effing, he said the actual F word, which uh, this is a family-friendly podcast, so I'm going to keep it PG on this one. And after the game, he said, yeah, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards Jeffrey Springs. I'm sure he's a nice guy and a great teammate. They were actually never 
on the same team uh, because the year that Springs first came to the Rays was actually, I believe, the first year that Nathaniel Lowe was on the Rangers. So they never overlapped on the Rangers or the Rays. So uh, yeah, Levi Weaver confirmed that yes, Jeffrey Springs is a good dude, but all all in the heat of battle kind of thing. And it was a nice home run for him, a multi-hit game for him. Uh, his fourth home run of the season, a solo shot. Both the home runs in this one were solo shots. Sam Huff in the second inning absolutely crushed his first home run of the season. We've been waiting for it. We know that power is there. It is legit 80 grade. That guy has got Joey Gallo in, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton-ish, Mike Trout-ish kind of power. This guy hits baseballs to places that nobody hits baseballs. And he had been getting a whole lot of singles to start his major league season, which was a little surprising because this is a guy who just gets a crap ton of extra base hits. He had two of them in this one. He had a second double of the season as well. A really solid outing for him catching in this one. Nathaniel Lowe was playing first. And of course, Mitch Garver was at DH in this one. Top of the Rangers order didn't do a whole lot. Just not not a great day for Marcus Simeon. 0 for 6 with three strikeouts. He was at 199 batting average. At 199, his, six, his five-game hitting streak did not get extended into six games. Just... Not a great day offensively for him. Did put together some pretty nice plate appearances, including one of those strikeouts, which was, I believe, nine pitches in that plate appearance. And he just got rung up on a very, very tough pitch to take for a third called strike. But multi-hit game from Corey Seager, just a couple of singles. He's fine. He's fine. Garver worked a walk 0 for 4. Got pinch run for by Charlie Culberson when he was the zombie runner in extra innings, which I kind of forgot happened. And so when when Jonah Heim came in to pinch hit in, in the 11th inning, I thought, wait, hold on. Hold on, what are we doing? Why are we pinch hitting for Mitch Garver? What is what is the thought here, Woody? And then I remembered, oh, he's pinch hitting for Charlie Culberson. That's, that's a smart move. That's a smart move in the bottom of the 11th inning when uh, your your season or your, your excuse me, your the game is coming down to that, not your season. The whole season did not revolve around this one game, but... Uh, yeah, uh, it was it was an all right game for Eli White. had had a single, couple of strikeouts. did did his defensive thing out there in the outfield. No other expert hits. A horrible night in terms of leaving runners on and hitting and with runners in scoring position. One for twelve. The Rangers were, I believe, two ninety in their previous three or four games. Was the stat that they showed on the screen uh, in this one with runners in scoring position. But this was this knocked that all the way back down to uh, p- pitiful. One for twelve. One for 12 with runners in scoring position. The Rangers needed to do better. They needed to do better, especially in extra innings. They just, they only got the one hit in extra innings. They only got, excuse me, they only scored one run in extra innings. And of course that came from Adoles Garcia, who to that point had had a pretty rough day at the plate, was I believe 0 for 4 with three strikeouts to that point, but did single home a run and tie up the game in the bottom of the 10th inning, extended to the 11th inning. But this is not a great day for Dennis Santana. He is normally the Rangers' go-to guy in situations like this with runners on base. He is their extra innings guy because you start with the stupid zombie runner, which, again, in case you didn't know, it's happening all season. The, the, The zombie runner's happening all season. They're going to talk about it, and I believe take it out of the game next year. But for now, this is the stupid crap that we have to deal with because because there are more important things to argue and hassle over to get the season starting kind of close to on time, at least before the month of May, which I'm, I'm very glad that they did. Um, but anyway, 
not a great not a great outing for him he did allow a pair of runs in this one um only one hit though that's kind of tough luck when you start with runners on second base and everything but it was just not a super clean 11th inning the the 10th inning run i don't blame him for as much but the 11th inning uh yeah at g-man Choi, he gave up some pretty hard contact to him he doubled and score harold ramirez and that was what ended up being the difference in the four to three loss. And he wasn't able, he was at least able to to stop G Man Choi from scoring when he was on second base. But again, the damage was already done. He already allowed a couple of hits. The Rangers did their best. They had the top of the order come up in the 11th inning. But uh, Marcus Simeon popped out to uh, G Man Choi. Corey Seeger flew out to Man. Manuel Margot, who's having a really, really great season, by the way. And uh, Jonah Heim came in to pinch it, and he struck out swinging. So, yeah, not a great way to go. Not a super great date for the top of that Rangers order, but it was a great date for Nathaniel Lowe and for Sam Huff, who are both first base slash DH, but also Sam Huff is catching pretty well, and so is Jonah Heim. The Rangers might have the best catching core in all of baseball. I'm going to talk about that. And the great, great start for the Rangers maybe ace towards the end of the season in John Gray. But first, I want to tell you all about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. The ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's not impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Or you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer due to the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save money and time when using rockauto.com. Why do you spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they've got reliably low prices that are the same for everybody. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We have an important favor to ask y'all. We're putting together a listener survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. So, how badly needed was that John Gray start? Well, uh, it was very badly needed. It was extremely badly needed. He has not had a great start to his Rangers tenure. He had two IL stints in his first two starts for the Rangers, which, even in those starts, did not go super well. He had not had an outing where he had gone more than six innings in this season. This is his first outing of the season his last two, he did go at least six innings. And so as of late, he has been much better in terms of going deep into games. But his last start against Oakland was just not great. It was not good enough against a team that the Rangers have been dominating that entire series. Six innings, five runs, five hits, three walks. Just was not good enough for the Rangers in that one. Before that, he had a really solid start against the Astros, which at this point, at that point was his best start of the season. Only two runs allowed in six innings against the Astros in Houston. That was enough for the Rangers to 
be in that game and probably should have won that game, but they ended up losing just like they did most of those games in Houston where they probably should have won. But this was the best start of the season by far. Best start as a Texas Ranger. The first double-digit strikeout game for any Rangers starter. By far the most strikeouts he's had in any game so far this season. Only two walks. Um, did allow the one home run. That was fine. It was just a solo shot. He did go seven innings. Gave the Rangers a lot, a lot of length, which was really needed, especially since this game went to 11 innings. They only had to use uh, just a few relievers in this one. John King did not have a great outing, did allow a pair of hits and allowed the run to score. That would tie the game and it would send this to extra innings. Matt Bush did do very well in his one inning of work. But John Gray, 12 strikeouts. He had never had more than, uh, let's see, he had eight against the Angels earlier this season. But other than that, that was the only other time that he had more than five strikeouts in a game. This is a guy who is a big strikeout pitcher. He has been inconsistent with the Rangers so far. He'd have some outings where he'd look really great. Some outings where he would not go very long. He has had the knee brace on for most of the season. And again, he had a shortened spring training, but you know, everybody did. Martin Perez had a shortened spring training and he came in injured as well. And he has been fantastic. Now I, I, I'm not saying that I expected John Gray to have a, sub one and a half ERA and lead all of baseball in war and ERA in all kinds of different categories like Martin Perez did. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I expected him to have a little bit better ERA in total. He's got it down under five at this point, which again, that's what I ask for all starters. And at this point, everybody except for Taylor Hearn is doing that. He could do that with his 10th start of the season. Hearn's got a 536 ERA on the season. Glenn Otto, 433. Glenn Otto, surprisingly, been effective even though i didn't expect much out of him in that fifth starter role for the rangers also dane dunning has a 431 era right now john gray is at 483 41 innings 44 strikeouts that's at 15 walks and five home runs we'd like to see those walks and home runs go down just a little bit in future starts but i think he's more than capable of that this is a guy who has got some really great primo stuff. His fastball velo is playing way up. The slider was very, very effective in this one. He even busted out the curveball a couple of times. Got a strikeout on that one. Looking was uh, super effective. He doesn't throw that curveball very much. Just literally 1% of the time. 1%. And he used it very, very well in this game. Loved what I saw from him. The slider is working. And also the sweeper, the different version of the slider. Both of those were very, very effective for him in this one. The changeup was also used pretty darn well. I like that he used that. I, I felt like he used it a little bit more in this one than he did on average. On average, he doesn't throw it all that much. He throws is mainly fastball and slider. Fastball 52% of the time, slider 33% and changeup just 12%. And like I said, curveball 1%. So using the being... I mean, I know the slider and the, the sweeper are a little bit different. They're both classified here as the same pitch, even though they do both do different things. But adding that changeup is just another look. And it's it's been a fairly effective pitch for him. It's been pretty decent. Busting it out a little bit more. Wouldn't, I don't think would hurt him all that much. But the slider has been by far his most effective pitch. Fastball, I, I would like to see him. I don't know if you can figure out how to put more spin on it. The velo is up. Very, very good. But he's using a four-seamer, and he is in the bottom 10 percentile of fastball spin rate. That is not great. That is not how you get deception on that. But if you compare that with the changeup and slider and sweeper effectively, then you can get away with uh, not having as much spin on your fastball. But again, I don't know how you improve that. 
But I, if he can, I would really like to see him do that because I think that would make him much, much more effective as a starting pitcher and live up to more of that number one role that the Rangers signed him to be. Maybe they signed him to be that envisioning, all right, maybe one of him or Martin Perez is going to work out and like we have done with other pitchers. If he can continue to do stuff like this, if he's finally feeling healthy and feeling like himself and not having blisters and knee issues and knee braces and whatever, if we can see more of this type of John Gray, that's what the Rangers were banking on. That is absolutely a top of the rotation kind of guy. This is one of those starts that shows what he is capable of when he is hitting in all cylinders. And this is not this is not some scrub team that he's doing this against. This is against one of the best teams in the American League, a team that has been to the World Series that had, I believe, the best record in the American League last year. A very, very good team with a much improved lineup even from last year. They're boasting very much about that. I mean, this is a solid team from top to bottom, and they had to pull out all their big guns in this one. This was the best start of Jeffrey Springs' career. Of course, it came against his former team. That just seems kind of freaking fitting. Um, all his runs came off of the two solo home runs by Huff and Lowe. Struck out seven, which was a career high, went five innings. He's been more of a relief type of guy, but they've needed him to be in the starting rotation. So he has been in the starting rotation this year. He has been fantastic for the Rays, a 188 ERA, six starts, 14 games total, 38 and a third innings for them. Uh, only had three home runs coming into this one and allowed a pair of them in this game. They brought out Beaks, another changeup specialist. Both those guys are changeup specialists. Beaks was fantastic and flummoxed Rangers hitters. Five strikeouts in an inning and two thirds. Um, really, really effective there. They also brought out Brooks Raley, who is from Avaldi and also a former, former Astro. So uh, yeah, they also brought out basically all of their big guns in this one. They did not leave any bullets in the chamber. The Rangers had shut them out for, they shut them out in the last game and they, uh, They'd shut them out for most of this game, at least the first six innings in this one. I believe they had something around 18 straight scoreless innings against this Rays lineup, and they knew it. I mean, the Rays the Rays didn't do very well with runners in scoring position either. Offensively, two for 13 day for them. Um, not a great offensive day, but they brought out their closer, Fire Eisen. They brought out uh, Poche. They brought out Weisler. They brought out Adam. This was the big guns that they brought out. They left nothing in the chamber. So hopefully the Rangers in this afternoon game can get some revenge on the former Colleyville heritage pitcher, Corey Kluber, for his no-hitter and for the trade. That was not his fault, but still, I'm going to blame him anyway. Coming up, I'm going to talk a little bit about the log jam slash good problem the Rangers have at first base slash DH. But first, I want to tell you all about Blue Nile. Whether you're looking to ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft perfect engage engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help. You can find a memorable gift at every single budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code, use code LOCKEDON, that's code LOCKEDON, plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com. 
rangersmedia.com today. Now the Rangers have a good problem right now. They have a really good problem. They have too many good hitters. And that is not a problem that I thought that I'd be saying about a month ago. In April, this lineup was dreadful. It was a real problem and first base slash DH was a real problem. They had Willie Calhoun, who was not performing up to expectations. They had Nathaniel Lowe, who was very much not performing to expectations. Sam Huff was not quite up, but they did have catcher, and those catchers were pretty much performing about where they expected him to. Garvey didn't have the best start to the season. He was all right, but Haim has been crushing it from the freaking start. And at this point, they've got four really good hitters for the DH slash first base slash catcher goal. And all of them performing really well at this point. Nathaniel Lowe, over his last 15 games, has been crushing it. He has been absolutely crushing it. 52 plate appearances at that point. Three home runs, five walks, slash line of 308, 368, and 538. In his last seven, he's been even better. Two home runs in his last seven games, two walks, 333 on base, 379, and slugging 667. That is, that is the kind of production that you want from your offense first, first baseman. That is what will keep you in the lineup. And it's not like his his splits are, uh, okay, well, this guy can only hit against lefty, or it can only hit against righties. It's been kind of the opposite. He's been hitting very well against left-handed pitching so far this year. In 53 plate appearances against lefties, he's got a pair of home runs, slugging 520, OPS of 841 against righties. He has not been doing as well. 123 plate appearances there, does have the same number of home runs in like more than double the same amount of plate appearances, has an on-base of 317, slugging just 319. That's an OPS of 636, which is 150-ish, 145 points lower than he's hitting against lefties. So nice to see him hit against lefties. Would also like to see him mash some righties. But, okay, well, you got a right-handed hitter who's playing a little bit of first base in Sam Huff. Surely he's doing better against lefties than righties as well. Nope, he's also caught opposite splits as to what you would think. In 27 plate appearances against righties, he got an OPS of 982 against lefties in 19 plate appearances. So again, all very small sample size for Sam Huff. He's got an OPS of 816. Still doing very well. Much higher OPS now with that game with his first home run and his second double of the season. So for the season... Huff's been fantastic. 14 games, 46 plate appearances, OPS of 913. That is fantastic. That's what you're loving to see. But again, the same concern that I had about him is still there. He doesn't walk a whole lot. Would like to see him walk more than two times in nearly 50 plate appearances. Really would like to see that number come up. Um, would really like to, especially with 12 strikeouts in 46 plate appearances. So Strikeout rates come down just a little bit. It was pretty darn high. It was around like 36, 40%, which is not great, but is livable when you've got an OPS around 900, which is about what he's got. He's also catching and doing a, a fairly good job at that. Him, he might, he might end up being John Gray's personal catcher. You have a game like this. You want to maintain everything you can get as consistent as you can with that. So maybe he's going to start catching every John Gray start, but you also have Jonah Hyman there at catcher. So Hyman's still going to catch most of these games, even though, even though Sam Huff's putting up some pretty darn good numbers and Hyman's numbers, I thought they'd fall back down to earth a little bit more than they have, but they really haven't. They're still pretty darn consistent. He's still the, one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. He's still got an OPS uh, it's it's under 800 now, so it is still a little bit lower. He does have six home runs in the season. But OPS plus 128. 
that's really darn good. And the Rangers catching tandem is fantastic. And, you know, since he's come back off the IL, Mitch Garver has also been on a freaking tear as the Rangers DH. Not a super great one game in this one, but still over the last seven games, he's been doing much better. He's slugging 741 over his last seven games with an on-base of 355 and a batting average of 296. He's also slugging over 575 in his last 15 games. Uh, four home runs in the last 15 games, three home runs in his last seven games. The guy has been absolutely on fire, and you have got to keep his bat in there in the lineup. But again, all three of these guys have been crushing it lately, and you kind of have a good problem at this point as to what to do. Maybe you want to see Sam Huff catch a little bit more, take a little bit more of the burden off of... Uh, off of Jonah Heim, who has been struggling a little bit as of lately, as like compared to his ridiculously high standards that he set for the beginning of the season. In the last seven games, he's slugging just 292. So maybe you want to take a little bit of a break off of him. His last 15 games, he's got an on base of 269, which isn't super great. In his last 30, he's got an on base of 314. That's not ideal. On the season, his own base instead of being in the 360s, 380s, where it was earlier this season, it is down to 328. He's slugging 464. Still still solid numbers from the guy you thought was going to be your backup catcher to start the season. Not the world-beating numbers. Maybe Sam Huff's numbers are going to fall back down to earth if he starts to get more plate appearances too. I think they might because it, it, it seems like it, it's taken a little while for these big league pitchers to figure him out. And you know, even if they do figure him out, there's nothing you can do about his 80 grade power. So again, the Rangers have kind of a good problem right now with these four guys really in the catcher slash first base slash DH role. You got, you got four guys for three positions. Now, if you want to look at where some of these guys have played elsewhere, if you want to get their bats in the lineup somewhere else, well, right now, Mitch Garver, until until further notice, he is DH only. He's not going to play first base, even though he has. He's definitely not going to play in the outfield. But if you look at the rest of his baseball career and how many games he's played, these guys have played at their not primary position. Mitch Garver, this is include this is including college and minor leagues and whatever other leagues professionally they have played in. So Mitch Garver in his career has 58 games at first base, 18 games in left field, and one game in right field. Sam Huff has 65 games at first base in his career. Nathaniel Lowe has 14 games at third base. He only started five of those though. And I really, I really don't think the Rangers want to put him at third base. He has played third base in the major leagues. It was with Tampa Bay though. And they're kind of bully nilly about just putting guys anywhere. Kind of the Oakland philosophy of, you know, it's fine. If you can mash, then, then we'll find a place for your bat. The Philadelphia Phillies route, if you will, and I don't think they're going to play him at third base a whole lot, but he's, he's going to play a lot of first base. He is not going to, neither of these guys are going to DH very much. It's literally just going to be Mitch Garver for the foreseeable future. I don't see them giving him a whole bunch of days off. Since he is only DHing, I don't think he'll need nearly as much rest. And he might be the strongest bat in this Rangers lineup. But again, this is a good problem to have. Having this many guys, and there's not a whole lot of places otherwise. It's just left field and third base right now that kind of seem to be a little bit of the black hole offensively. But again, Eli White, every once in a while, he's providing a whole lot of value defensively on the base paths, and uh, also offensively, he is providing that spark every once in a while. And at third base, it seems like we're going to get a lot of Josh Smith 
at this point. So, and his bat is is no slouch either, and he is actually a legit good defender at third base. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they want to play this problem. It seems like it's it's a decent problem. It's not like you have five guys for three spots. It's it's four guys for three spots in spots that you can kind of rotate these guys out. I think it's a good problem to have. Get a little more time. I'd like to see Jonah Heim get a little bit more time off since he has been struggling in his last seven games. I think he'll bring those numbers back up. If he finishes the season with an OPS over 800, I will be ecstatic. Through the roof excited for this guy, especially if he turns out to catch over 100 games, which I think he might end up doing at this point in the season. But very exciting stuff. Nice to have the depth of this Rangers lineup. And uh, yeah, we're going into the 50th game of the season on tomorrow's show. I'll talk about this afternoon game against Corey Kluber and a little bit of a uh, bigger picture look at where this Rangers team is through 50 games. But first, I want to give a really quick minor league update, some games of importance that have happened over the last couple of days. Jack Leiter had a career high eight strikeouts in his last start, which was Kind of, it was a weird start. It was a resumed game, so he, he started, even though he wasn't the starting pitcher. Cody Bradford worked one shutout inning, and they played a double header. I believe it was yesterday. Leiter went five and two-thirds innings, did not allow a single run, walked three, four hits, eight strikeouts, and just under six innings. And boy, that curveball was nasty. I'm pretty sure six or maybe even seven of those strikeouts came on the curveball he was getting it for called strikes dropping it right perfectly at the bottom of the zone getting it for swinging strikes also got a strikeout on 95 up and away off the plate completely out of the zone got this hitter to chase i don't know what he set him up with but whatever it was it was super super effective and that curveball was absolutely disgusting zeke duran had his 22nd double of the season Dustin Harris had his ninth homer and ninth steal of the season yesterday. And Spencer Howard in AAA pitched five shutout innings, allowed three walks, and struck out six, while Willie Calhoun had a three-hit day, which included a pair of home runs. That is nice to see. He has not been doing super well in the minors so far this season. But a positive update there. Really like seeing Spencer Howard throw five innings at all. That was encouraging and also not allow any runs or any home runs, which has been a big, big problem for him. Curious about the pitch mix that he used. I'd like to hear from somebody who was there. They saw him and knew what kind of pitch mix he was using. But again, either no matter how many pitches he was using, he could just use the fastball, which I can't imagine you could get away with fastball only and throw five shutout innings in AAA. But again, very encouraging stuff from the minor leagues. Guys, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Rangers. Thank you all so much for listening. Hopefully on tomorrow's show, for your second listen of the day, you can listen to Paul Francis Sullivan and his Locked on MLB podcast, the best daily podcast in all of baseball, just covering all of baseball. Hopefully trying to, trying to coordinate with him to record sometime today for tomorrow. If not, I will try and get it recorded on the weekend with him. It'll be in the Lockdown MLB feed. Go check that out. Just keep apprised of my Twitter account. I will let y'all know when that episode is coming out and when we record. Thank y'all so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.